After the sermon, we will sing from him 51, the stanzas 2, 4, 6, and 8. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, the preacher is quite an artist. He describes life the way it is, observing life from man's perspective, seeing things the way they are, seen through the eyes of man. But he does so in a very unique and creative way. One commentator compared the style of writing of the preacher to the other inspired authors of the scriptures. He said, the author of the book of Job was a consummate dramatist. The psalmist was a lyrical poet. The author of Jonah knew how to tell a fascinating short story. The author of Genesis and Exodus was a historical novelist who could recount powerful sagas of epic proportions. But Ecclesiastes, ah, the preacher, was also no mean poet, but fundamentally he was an artist of another sort. He was a photographer. And he is right. The preacher takes snapshots of life. And that's also what we see here in chapter 12. The preacher gives us a picture here of old age. He gives that snapshot in poetic and beautiful language. He artfully describes how our bodies break down as we become older. And what he describes does not apply to everybody. But he does not hide anything. The elderly in our congregation can all identify with a lot of what he is saying. Previously in chapter 3, the teacher said that there is a time for everything. Each season of life has its own beauty. And now he shows that old age, in spite of its limitations and frustrations, does as well. In spite of the many challenges that come your way, there are many things you can enjoy in old age that you cannot enjoy at other times of your life. God is good. God's gift of life is good also when you are old. That's what I will preach to you about this morning. And we will see that the Lord lovingly sustains the elderly now and into eternity. That's also the theme for this morning's service. And then we will see two things. First of all, the frailty of earthly life. And then secondly, the certainty of eternal life. So the theme is the Lord lovingly sustains the elderly now and into eternity. First, the frailty of earthly life. Secondly, the certainty of eternal life. The teacher says in the first two verses, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. In this snapshot of old age, the preacher begins by painting somewhat of a somber picture. 
He speaks about old age as the dark age, the days when the sun no longer shines. In old age, there is a diminished capacity to enjoy the things that you were young. He also speaks about the returning clouds after the rain. The elderly are typically quite busy with health concerns. That's understandable because their bodies are deteriorating and there are many aches and pains. There are many worries associated with that as well. And it is remarkable the way in which the preacher describes such deterioration brought on by old age. The teacher gives us a picture here of a house falling apart and finally turning to dust. It reminds us of the way Paul describes our body as our earthly tent. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, he writes about the earthly tents we live in and then says in verse 4, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. He says that therefore we long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. The Lord God wants us to understand that our bodies are but temporary dwellings. That is why he gives us the image of the tent. The nomadic Jews used tents for their dwellings and moved around with their animals looking for grazing grounds. Nowadays, we only use tents during the summer when we go camping, moving it from one campsite to the next. Tents are only dwelling places for a little while. Compared to houses, tents are also fragile. They are subject to the elements and therefore in constant need of repair. You have to continually mend or replace worn or broken parts. But you can repair a tent only so many times. In the end, the tent becomes unusable, and then you throw it out. That's also the case with regard to our earthly tents, our bodies. Our bodies are also temporary abodes. Our bodies, too, like tents, deteriorate as we age. We need to repair and replace certain body parts teeth, hips, kneecaps, etc. Other body parts we throw out altogether. We don't need them anymore, such as your appendix, your uterus, unwanted hair, varicose veins, and the like. But you can only throw away so many parts, and you can repair other parts only so many times. In the end, our bodies will be of no use at all anymore. And then we die. Our bodies turn to dust. It's a bleak picture. But it's the lot of everyone who is blessed enough to reach old age. Listen to how the teacher describes the manifestations of old age. The poetic language that he uses is difficult to translate. And therefore not all commentators agree as to the exact translation of each expression used but that doesn't matter we get the picture nonetheless in verse 3 he speaks about the trembling of the keepers of the house the keepers of the house are the hands as you grow older your grip is no longer as firm 
and your hands begin to tremble. The strong men are the legs. As you get older, you begin to stoop. Your knees become weak. The grinders, of course, are the teeth. Nowadays, our teeth can be replaced by dentures. But in the end, also dentures don't cut it anymore. The teacher also mentions those looking through the windows. That's a reference to the eyes. As you age, your eyes grow dim. As a matter of fact, I recently heard that our eyes are one of the first parts to start deteriorating, beginning already at the age of 18. It is a blessing that today we can compensate for a lack of vision through eyeglasses. That's, but that wasn't the case during the teacher's days. But as you get older, you also get other problems with your eyes, often needing surgery because of cataracts, etc. And the doors to the street are either the ears or the lips. They no longer function as before. If your ears get bad enough, then you need a hearing aid. And when you get older, you rise up at the voice of a bird. In other words, you no longer sleep as well as you did when you were young. Young people can sleep through anything. They can sleep even through loud fire alarms and shrill alarm clocks and all kinds of other noise. That is no longer the case when you are older. Then the slightest sound wakes you up and you have a hard time getting back to sleep. The NIV says in verse 4 that the songs of the birds grow faint. The original refers to the daughters of music, as also some other translations have it. The daughters of music refer to the focal cords. The teacher is actually saying that as you grow old, your voice is no longer as strong as before. And singing becomes more difficult. And the preacher states that in old age, the almond tree blossoms. That's a reference to gray hair. The blossoms of the almond tree are a beautiful silvery gray. It also says that in old age, you drag yourself along like a grasshopper, meaning that when you are old, you no longer move as quickly as before. And then further we read that in old age, desire no longer is stirred. The King James Version and other translations state that desire shall fail. This phrase is difficult to translate. According to an old Greek translation, the Hebrew says that a caperberry becomes ineffective. In other words, in old age, you are no longer able to bear fruit to bring forth offspring. Indeed, many older men become impotent and older women no longer ovulate. Verse 5 also speaks of men being afraid of hearts and of dangers in the street. But you are no longer as mobile as before that you see dangers all around. It's no wonder that the older people always tell the young people to be more careful. They see dangers. And the silver cord refers to the silver chain that holds the golden bowl, which is a lamp. Life, like gold, is precious. If a link of the silver chain breaks, then the lamp will shatter and go out 
it refers to how fragile life is. In old age, you also have other things to deal with. The elderly are often afraid to be too much of a bother to others. They are afraid that they are in the way, that they are over the hill, that others are waiting for them to die. They also harbor feelings of guilt. We sang from Psalm 25, stanza 3. Sins of youth remember not, nor recall my hid transgression. David wrote this psalm in his old age. He remembers his sins. He remembers his shortcomings. The Lord God had already long ago forgiven him. But David cannot forget. There are too many reminders all around him of the many things that he had done wrong. The things that he had done wrong to his children and to others. And when you are old, you look back on your life and you remember the many ways in which you blew it. With regard to the bringing up of your children, with the way you dealt with money, with the lack of vacations you took with your wife and children. And the elderly also often have feelings of bitterness and resentment. And there are those who think that I have been given a raw deal in life. If only I married another person. If only my marriage partner, my children, my business partner, my colleague had treated me better. There are other concerns as well. There is the fear of deteriorating health, of poverty, of being alone, of losing one's mind. There are concerns about black backsliding in the church. They're afraid of unfaithfulness. The fear of losing one's memory is one of the greatest fears. All of this sounds somewhat somber, doesn't it? It's a bleak picture. The bleakness is further accentuated by what the preacher states next. He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The NIV translates this as stating that everything is meaningless. It's like a puff of air. And that is the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. And what does the preacher mean with that? That when it comes all down to it, that life is not worth living. Look at all the troubles that we come to when we are old. That it is not worth all the pain and the heartache. No, brothers and sisters, that's not what he is saying at all. He is saying that life is not worth living if you do not remember your Creator. And for that reason, he repeats the command to remember your Creator. Remember where you came from. Remember why sin and the effects of sin came about in the first place. It is because of our own willful disobedience already in paradise. For those who do not know God, their lives are futile and meaningless. Although we all experience the frailty of earthly life, the believer experiences the certainty of eternal life. We come to the second point. Why do you think the Lord God inspired the author of Ecclesiastes to put this specific chapter in the Bible? Do you think he did that to make us depressed, to rub salt in the wounds, 
to remind us what our fate is because of our sin? No. The main reason why the preacher puts this in the scriptures is to show us that he knows what it is like for us to grow old. That God knows about our many pains and heartaches, physical and spiritual, that we have to endure in this life. God is the creator of all things. And we only have an inkling of his great and wonderful mind. He created everything with just one word. With one word, this complex and intricate world came into existence. And this world is marvelously, marvelously put together. We have only begun to scratch the surface as to the knowledge of God's creation. And that's the way it is now after the fall into sin. Can you imagine what it would have been like before the fall into sin? But the moment that man sinned, God stated that everything that he has made will be turned to dust, including man. Everything at that moment became subject to decay. And so with his great mind, he also orchestrated the process of dying. And he did that by putting a curse on everything. Again, one word, cursed. But at the same time that he did that, he also announced that man would not be able to overcome death and dying and everything associated with death without a redeemer. So he promised at the same time of his curse, he promised the coming of a redeemer, a savior. He promised that Satan would be destroyed and that with him the process and dying and death itself would be overcome. In describing the process and certainty of death, he also describes the certainty of eternal life to all those who believe in him, who remember their creator. In chapter 12, we see how, how close God is to his creation. He shows his great love. For please do not think that he wants death or the process of dying. He does not want you to suffer mental or physical anguish. It is for that reason that he sent his son in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ was also physically subject to decay and destruction. He also keenly felt the process of dying. Oh sure, he died at a relatively young age. With him it was not a slow process of deterioration as when you are aging. But he suffered in a way you and I would never have to suffer. He felt the weakness of the flesh like no other. And it is for that reason that these verses in the Bible are so comforting. The teacher, the inspired author, says that the dust returns to the ground it came from and that the spirit returns to God who gave it. Again, the teacher brings us back to Genesis, to the beginning. He repeats the words of the curse that God pronounced upon man. 
namely that he must return to the dust for dust you are and to dust you must return and so the preacher does not tell us anything new here but he does add that beautiful element here we see here a progress in the history of revelation he says that the spirit will return to god who gave it the same word that is used for both the spirit of man and the spirit of god is the word breath when god created you he did so by giving you his breath that is how adam was created he breathed into adam's nostrils the breath of life at which time he became a living being as it says in genesis 2 verse 7 the man became a life became alive he received god's breath in him but now the inspired teacher says that even though the breath goes out of you at the time of death nevertheless you will continue to have breath within you you will continue to live with god for your spirit will return to god who gave it that doesn't mean that our bodies have some invisible zippers that open up the moment you die allowing your spirit to escape and to fly up to heaven no that our spirit will be separate from our bodies means that those who belong to the Lord God will continue to live. For a while it will be in a bodiless state. But there is no doubt that you will continue to live and that your life with Christ will never ever end. For the Lord will continue to give you the breath of life. And that breath, brothers and sisters, will never cease. The believer may look forward to an existence without deteriorating bodies and without deteriorating minds. The believer has been given the breath of God's eternal breath. Brothers and sisters, that is what the Lord God is preparing us for. He is preparing us for eternity. As the Catechism so beautifully puts it in Lord's Day 16, our death is not a payment for our sins, but it puts an end to sin and is an entrance into eternal life. Our death puts an end to all the effects of sin as well. Our death puts an end to the deterioration of our bodies. It puts an end to the aging process. It puts an end to all the pains and sorrows that are associated with his life. Oh, sure, death is still our enemy. Even when you are old, you still do not want to die. But we all know that our death is inevitable. But we also know that Christ has taken away the sting of death. And that's what the preacher is alluding to. Isn't that a great comfort? As I said in the beginning of my sermon, the preacher gives us snapshots of life here on earth. He describes things the way we see it from our earthly perspective. That's why he says, for example, in chapter 9, verse 5, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. At that moment, he gives us an earthly perspective, a snapshot. From our perspective, dead men can do nothing. But here, at the end of his book, the preacher gives us 
a heavenly perspective, a heavenly snapshot. Our spirit returns to God who gave it. And that is the great book, that is the great comfort in the book of Ecclesiastes. He gives us beautiful snapshots here of life on earth, but, like, but then like a bolt of lightning in the night, he gives us a snapshot of heaven. Isn't that wonderful? That's where God is leading you and me. Also you young people, because also your bodies and your minds are deteriorating. This life is nothing more than a constant death. And God is preparing all of us for eternity. But now the question is, are you also allowing God to do that? Do you allow God to help you to transcend this earthly life of yours so that you also have that heavenly perspective? Do you take a look at that snapshot once in a while? It's so easy to be busy with what goes on here on earth. When we are old, we think we can commiserate about our poor state of our health. And that's all we want to talk about when loved ones come to visit. But what about your spiritual health? Are you elderly also able to think about your earthly, about your heavenly existence? Do you see what God is doing with you? And by describing the ravages of old age, he shows that he is close to us. Through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he has overcome death. He wants to remind you of that. It is for that reason that this chapter about old age is in the Bible. It's there for your comfort. For God shows us that he cares and that he understands our aches and pains, but thereby he also wants us to long for him, to be with him. And such an understanding therefore must drive us to the Lord Jesus Christ. He came in order to bring about renewal. He is the great healer. He makes us look forward to the new Jerusalem as described in Revelation 21, where it says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Have you ever seen a photograph of a beautiful and serene and peaceful setting and wish that you were also in the picture? Well, that's the final snapshot that the teacher gives us here in chapter 12. Our spirit will return to God who gave it. In other words, the believers are going to be in the most beautiful setting that you can ever imagine. For with God, there is only peace and well-being and eternal bliss. Let's hang on to that picture, brothers and sisters. Amen.